here we are. Another episode, another day, mm-hmm. another week, another movie. Another Michael. It's kind of the same movie from last week. Kind of, but... Well, no, not really. <laughs> it's, it's very different at all at the same time, though. <laughs> only blackness the absence of light these are the eyes of a psychopath welcome to paths of fear the weekly podcast where we give our takes on horror movies and explore the opinions of our audience i'm ian i'm marshall and this week we have the well-known reboot of the classic slasher halloween which, of course, we reviewed last week. It won for our classic slasher reboot showdown. It was made in 2007 and was written and directed by, of course, Rob Zombie. Uh, Also, I've been forgetting to say this, but the original Halloween we watched last week was recommended by audience member Schmoopy. I keep meaning to start actually saying who recommended it. Good job, Schmoopy. (laughs) Schmoopy, if you're out there, I appreciate you. Well, hey, Ian, what was your uh, what was your take on the movie? What what was your general thoughtage? What's my ultimate take? Mm-hmm. Uh, my ultimate take is that this movie. I want to point out real quick. I said uh, I like that. I went from general thoughtage to you going to ultimate take. I think that just widely contradicts each other somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Very different approaches. <laughs> <laughs> what you asked for wasn't enough so i'm giving you more than what you asked for that's fair so so anyways my ultimate take (laughs) on this movie is not is actually more of a general opinion really rather than like an ultimate i think that might be a little too far anyways that's what i was um, saying (laughs) (laughs) but overall i think that this movie is able to take the story from the original and execute it better yeah i'm i'm on the same boat as you it uh it's very it's, I mean, it's so Rob Zombie-esque, you know? He's just got all that crazy gore, everyone's super foul. Um, mm-hmm. He's, like, you know how when you're talking about theorists and stuff, you always have to, like, kind of take some theorists with a grain of salt because they're, like, humanity sucks and we're all sheep, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Like, they, they're just super skeptical. I feel like that's Rob Zombie when it comes to people. He's just like, yeah, everyone's pretty much basic primal am- animals. Like, mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of what it boils down to. And it makes for some really cool films. He finds great actors to portray those parts. Yeah, I just I admire his works. Is uh, the person who plays uh, Deborah Myers is the actress related to Rob Zombie? Yeah, that is that is Rob Zombie's wife. Oh, she's in a lot of his movies. Usually she's like half naked. So, I mean, they must have a pretty solid relationship. But I mean, she's comfortable. They're comfortable. I oh, mean, totally. That makes for some good movies. So good on them. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mr. And Mrs. Zombie. But yeah, she's she actually she's actually a pretty good actress. I find her pretty impressive for what she does. Hey, are you ready for this teaser? Oh crap! Are you gonna tease already? Ian? All right, tease tease away, Ian. Tease away. <laughs> it's October thirty first, nineteen seventy eight, the fifteenth anniversary of the murder of Judith Myers in the small town of Haddonfield, Illinois. <laughs> High school friends Lori, Annie, and Linda have their evening plans in order. Lori plans to babysit while Annie and Linda intend to see their respective boyfriends. Meanwhile, an old Haddonfield resident has returned to town, eager to complete what he started 15 years ago. As back doors lie open and a shadow looms over the small town, one thing becomes clear. This won't just be any Halloween. It'll be a new Halloween. Does that sound familiar? I feel like I recognize it from somewhere, yeah. I don't actually even know if the year in this movie is 1978. But anyways, uh, if you didn't notice, that's that's just the teaser I did last week. It's, it's perfect. I mean, the story's so similar. I feel like the only true plot difference there is would be the whole beginning, the whole like first act of setting up Michael's character when he was a kid. Yes, which was a great addition. Oh, it was wonderful. It was a lot of they gave that a lot of attention and it really added to the story. So yeah, and it, and it took like a like a quarter of the movie up. 
I felt it felt like it could have been a story in and of itself. And then we got to continue from there. It was awesome. Mm -hmm. I think it also sets the stage for a franchise because you're making it about Michael and not really about uh, the victims he finds. Uh, Yeah, it is very Laurie Strode center. The first one. Yeah, exactly. Um, So what would you what would you give this in its rating, Ian? Uh, so I'd say this this is a pretty solid movie. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the slasher genre. Um, I, I enjoy them, but I feel like it's hard for them to get like a really good score for me uh, unless there's something really different about it that, that gets me somehow. But but it's still it's a good it's a good movie. It's a good horror movie. Uh, so I give it a seven out of ten. It, it's good. Very nice. Uh I'm on a I'm on a pretty uh, I'm on a very different boat as in I love slashers I treasure slashers they're kind of what I grew up on they're kind of what I got into in the horror genre Scream mm-hmm. was my first slasher which is a weird place to start but it's just uh yeah I have a love for slashers um and yeah I thought this this did a lot of wonderful things it really developed character I thought which isn't something I usually look at but especially with Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really just portrayed characters well. The plot was just super well driven. So I gave this movie actually a 9 out of 10. All right. Which averages us out at an 8. And our audience, they gave it a number that I calculated earlier that I'm now calculating again. <laughs> a 6.2. We had, But generally it was like 9s and 5s and then there was like a 3. So that's where we got our 6.2 from. Hmm. And do you want to go ahead and uh, toss us this little summary in and we'll get into it in further depth? Yeah. Ten-year-old Michael Myers plays with his pet rat in his room while wearing a Halloween clown mask. His mother and her boyfriend fight downstairs while his baby sister cries. Judith, his older sister, is sent to retrieve him for school. As Judith knocks on his bathroom door, it's revealed that Michael has killed his pet rat with a knife. He washes away the evidence before coming downstairs, only to receive verbal threats from his mother's abusive boyfriend before heading to school. You are starting to annoy me, boy. I hate you! And I hate you too, you see this? As soon as this heals, I'm gonna break it again on your fucking face! Enough, alright? While in the bathroom at school, Michael is attacked by two bullies. He struggles to fight back and curses incessantly. The struggle is heard by a passing Principal Chambers, who enters the bathroom and breaks up the fight. Michael curses at him, too. This lands Michael in the Principal's office, where his mother is called in for a chat. As Michael waits by himself, the Principal introduces his mother, Deborah Myers, to a psychiatrist, Dr. Sam Loomis, who believes Michael might be a particularly troubled boy. They present Deborah with a dead cat and photos of other dead animals, all found in Michael's backpack. Dr. Loomis tells Deborah that these are warning signs of much deeper problems and that he'd like to evaluate Michael further. As their conversation continues, Michael quietly leaves the office and runs from the school. Uh, what is evaluating him? What does that Obviously, mean? Obviously, it's a very deranged young mind that can do this to his pets. And we know when he leaves, he catches sight of one of the two bullies and decides to follow him. He ambushes the bully with a large tree branch and beats him to death as the bully pleads for his life. That night, the night of Halloween, Michael is home getting ready to go trick-or-treating. However, after his mom leaves to go on her late-night job, Judith refuses to take him trick-or-treating, as she wants to spend the night with her boyfriend instead. After sitting alone for some time at the kitchen table, Michael puts on his clown mask again before grabbing a roll of duct tape and a large kitchen knife. While his mother's boyfriend lies passed out on the couch, Michael binds his limbs to the chair and tapes his mouth closed. Michael slices his throat and watches the life fade from his eyes as he helplessly struggles against the bondage. (laughs) Soon after, Judith's boyfriend comes downstairs to get a snack. Michael sneaks up behind him and bashes his head with a metal baseball bat. Judith's boyfriend convulses on the floor before he's dealt a final and fatal blow. 
Michael heads upstairs and replaces his clown mask with the white, gray silicone mask that Judith's boyfriend had worn earlier. After Judith turns to see Michael in her room, she protests, but goes quiet as he stabs her through the chest. Michael! Barely alive, she stumbles down the hallway before Michael stabs her in the back numerous times. Michael then takes his baby sister and waits with her on the steps outside the house, where his mother finds them. Give me the baby. Michael, what is going on? Answer me. Eleven months later, after being convicted of first-degree murder, Michael is forcibly enrolled at Smith's Grove Sanitarium, where he is placed under the supervision of Dr. Loomis. Michael seems cooperative in his interviews with Dr. Loomis, but claims to have no memory of killing his family, even asking his visiting mother if everyone at home is okay. Michael also begins fashioning makeshift masks to hide his face. Um, why did you make it? I have my secrets. Ah, wait a minute. I thought we had no secrets, you and I. Because no one sees me. One day, as Dr. Loomis escorts Deborah from the sanitarium, Michael attacks the nurse he's left with, stabbing her in the throat with a fork. After the nurse's death, Deborah decides to take her own life, unable to cope with what's become of her son, leaving her infant daughter on her own. Fifteen years pass, and Michael has become a formidably strong and large individual. He hasn't spoken a word since the incident with the nurse. Instead, he spent his time making masks. Dr. Loomis tells Michael goodbye in one last and verbally one-sided interview. Afterwards, he goes to give a seminar on his book about Michael, which describes him as the true embodiment of a psychopath. Michael was created by a perfect alignment of interior and exterior factors gone violently wrong. A perfect storm, if you will. That night, the eve of Halloween, Michael is to be transferred to another facility. He's escorted by four armed guards while in chains. However, while passing through a security airlock, Michael breaks from his chains and kills the guards with his bare hands. After escaping the facility, Michael goes into a truck stop bathroom, where he kills a trucker of a similar size to steal his overalls. In the early dusk of Halloween, he returns to his old home in Haddonfield, retrieving the knife he used to kill everyone, and the gray-white mask he had taken from Judith's boyfriend. Lori Strode, at the direction of her father, drops mail off at the old Myers house, now for sale. Michael watches her from inside as she continues her walk to school. As Lori and her friends, Annie and Linda, talk about their plans for Halloween night, Lori notices Michael staring at her from the street outside, though after a few glances, he disappears. As the group walks home from school, they all see Michael staring at Lori from across the street, but he lumbers away after they tell him off. Total pervert. Gosh, you guys are crazy. That guy could have been dangerous. Oh, God. whatever. What is he going to do? I don't know. Meanwhile, Dr. Loomis arrives at the Haddonfield graveyard, where he has the gravekeeper lead him to Judith Meyer's grave, only to find that the headstone is missing. Further into the night, Linda and her boyfriend Bob sneak into the Myers house, where it seems they've been before to have sex. After failing miserably to satisfy her, Linda has Bob grab them some beers. Bob gets the beers, but on his way back to Linda, he's ambushed by Michael, who pins him against the wall and stabs him through the chest. Michael then goes to the other room and chokes Linda to death. At the same time, Annie shows up at Lori's to take her to the Doyles to babysit Tommy. After they leave, Lori's mother and father start to head inside, when suddenly Michael runs up behind Lori's father and slices him through the neck, killing him instantly. 
He then kills Lori's mother as well while holding a picture of Lori. Dr. Loomis gets a hold of local Sheriff Brackett, Annie's father, and tells him about Judith's missing gravestone and its implications. The sheriff dismisses this and tells the doctor he can come by his office tomorrow. But Dr. Loomis doesn't give in. He tells the sheriff that Michael has come back for his baby sister. Upon hearing this, the sheriff calls the Strode family, Lori's parents, but his message falls on dead ears. This seems to make Brackett nervous, and he decides to head out with Dr. Loomis to check on the family. After killing Lori's parents, Michael heads to the Wallaces, where Annie is babysitting Lindsay, just a few houses down from where Lori is babysitting Tommy. After Annie's boyfriend Paul is on the way, Annie goes to the Doyles to drop off Lindsay so Lori can watch her while Annie and Paul get some alone time. As the two get into it on the couch, Paul is stabbed through from behind by Michael. Annie attempts to escape, but is ultimately dragged back into the house. <coughs> Meanwhile, Dr. Loomis and Sheriff Brackett are driving towards the Strode house, where Brackett reveals that Lori is Michael's baby sister. I admit her from the report. I drive her to another town and drop her off at the nearest emergency room, and I think that this is going to be the end of it. About three months later, I find out from a friend of mine, Mason Strode, that he's adopted the baby. Once Lori believes she's given Paul and Annie enough time to themselves, she walks over to the Wallaces to drop Lindsay off. Once inside, however, she finds Paul hanging from the ceiling, a jack-o'-lantern planted on his head, as well as Annie, alive, but brutally lacerated and barely conscious. Lori screams for Lindsay to run back to the Doyles and call the police while she stays with Annie. Once Lori makes sure that Annie's alive, she runs to the phone in the other room to call for an ambulance. From within his car, Sheriff Brackett hears dispatch mention the Wallace's address. Knowing his daughter is there, he immediately changes direction. Still on the phone, Lori is grabbed from behind and thrown into the kitchen by Michael. She stumbles away from him and runs to the back door. Unable to get it open, she breaks through its glass panel, with Michael closing in behind. Lori rushes back to the Doyles and bangs on the locked front door, screaming for Tommy to open it. Tommy unlocks it just in time for Lori to escape inside, slamming it behind her and locking it. She sprints upstairs with Lindsay and Tommy as Michael busts in through the door. They lock themselves in the bathroom and huddle together in the bathtub. Michael breaks through the door and grabs Lori, taking her alive. <laughs> Sheriff Brackett and Dr. Loomis arrive at the Wallaces along with an ambulance. Brackett tends to his daughter while Dr. Loomis checks outside. A screaming pair of kids, Tommy and Lindsay, run towards him and tell him that the boogeyman took Lori. He took Lori! He took Lori! He took Lori. Right, okay. Go over and stand by that ambulance. Just wait there. Don't move! Lemus runs towards the Doyle's house, intent on finding Michael. Lori comes to consciousness in the basement of the old Myers house, with Michael watching over her. As Lori begs him to tell her what he wants, he drops his knife and shows her an old picture of him holding her as a baby. Still just as scared and confused, Lori continues to beg him for an explanation as she inches her hand closer and closer to his knife. She manages to grab it and stabs it deep into Michael's shoulder, you causing him to fall to the ground. Locked in, Lori creates a hole large enough to crawl through in the rickety door blocking her exit, only to come across a chain-link gate. As she struggles to get through the gates, Michael gets back up and begins breaking through the wall next to her, his knife back in his hand. Lori gets through the gates and runs into the backyard, but falls into an empty pool. Cornered in the deep end, Michael makes his way towards her, just as Loomis shows up and yells for him to stop. 
Michael, please stop! After his words fail to garner Michael's attention, Loomis shoots him. But Michael continues towards Lori. Loomis shoots him two more times before Michael finally falls over. Dr. Loomis brings Lori back to the police car, where it seems she's finally safe. Was that the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, I do believe it was. Michael's arm crashes through the passenger side window and drags a screaming Lori out of it. Loomis, in an effort to get Michael to let her go, tells him that it was his fault Michael turned out this way, not Lori's. This works. Michael releases Lori and she runs upstairs and crawls into a broken wall to hide, while Michael grabs Loomis's head and presses his thumbs into his eyes. Lori narrowly avoids Michael for long enough to grab Loomis's gun. Michael sees her doing this and chases her into the attic. Michael attacks the ceiling with a large piece of wood until Lori eventually falls through it onto the floor. As she gets up to her feet and aims the gun at Michael, he charges at her and brings them both crashing through the upstairs window. Onto the ground below. Lori, having landed on Michael, is just able to bring the gun to Michael's head, but when she pulls the trigger, only the empty click of the revolver's hammer can be heard. Michael, getting to his senses, starts to bring his hand to the gun. But with the third pull of the trigger, the revolver shoots, splattering Lori with blood. Lori screams, her face covered in a mix of her own blood and Michael's, and the movie comes to an end, showing the picture of Michael holding Lori as a baby. Alright, nice summary, Ian. So what is it that makes this movie different? Does it stand out like in a better way from other slashers for you, or in a worse way? Hmm. On the tier of slashers list, where does it stand? It's a really, it's a really solid slasher. It takes the story from the original Halloween and it just executes it better. Uh, So all the elements that the original was trying to do, it successfully did. Now, the story itself uh, does lack some complexities that would really intrigue me. It's not that Michael Myers isn't interesting by himself. Uh, There's just, for me to like rate this higher, it needs some more intriguing elements other than a killer psychopath who's potentially has some evil essence within him. Yeah. Um, well, that's one of the things I thought distinguished this one so much from the first was the first was he was just kind of this evil reincarnated thing just coming to a young boy. Mm-hmm. Um, where in this one, we we see like he was um, Samuel Loomis in the movie. The doctor says it really well. He was like this perfect blend of like uh, interior and exterior um, factors that just led into this terrifying psychopath. Yeah. And then for some reason, he grew up to be seven feet tall. So I like, he was yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> like how unfortunate. I mean, hey, when you're making masks all day, your arms just get really swole. That's fair. That's fair. That's just how it goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like I said, I did really enjoy their setup with him this time. Uh, that that was that was pretty good. There's nothing inherently wrong with Michael Myers as a killer from a motivation standpoint and all that. I I can understand that. I feel like this is like a really well done slasher. For me to like it more, it has to do something less slashery within it. Yeah. Like something, something different. It's got to supersede the genre. Exactly. And that's fair. I mean, like slashers aren't for everybody. I definitely know. There's there's definitely the two branches of slashers of like the kind of like idol slashers is what I want to call them. I-D-O-L, not I-D-L-E. Um, where like you have your killer and it's usually like Freddy, Jason, Michael. Uh, it's that character that like, you're just, they're almost the hero of the story. Even though they're the villain. Everyone's like, Oh my God, I want to see Jason tear up a bunch of people in the movies again. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then you have kind of your mystery slasher where it's a bunch of people are dying and there's a masked villain and you can't, you're not really sure who it is. And you're kind of trying to figure that out. And it's kind of a game for the audience in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tend to prefer mystery slashers myself. I like being able to having to like kind of deconstruct the story like that, try to find the breadcrumbs they're leaving. However, uh, I think that idle slashers can be absolutely wonderful still. So that's where I said. And I think I think to some extent the mystery slashers can be easier to enjoy because it gives you that that twist uh, that can mm-hmm. be intriguing and pulls you in more. Um, and and they did do somewhat of a twist in this one. I think the twist is supposed to be that Lori is, of course, um, Michael's baby uh, sister. Mm-hmm. But. I mean, it wasn't unexpected. <laughs> and, no, it uh, was. It was. It definitely didn't feel like a big reveal twist or anything. It was just like that's neat. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't really, and I don't think it was supposed to be or anything. Um, yeah, like it was supposed to be somewhat of a twist, but something like that can be really helpful in making that more enjoyable for the people who like can't. Um, I mean, like, I mean, again, I enjoyed it, but I would rather like uh, for my eights and nines and tens and whatnot. This isn't the kind of movie that I would watch for that and i think that what you look for is more of a meta slasher yeah just because that takes the slasher genre and it go and it literally does just add on to the slasher genre as a whole new component exactly i i do uh like a lot of parody slasher movies Mm. uh those can be really fun even if they're not supposed to be humorous uh not all not all of them are humorous but uh i think those could be can be really good well i want to i want to dive right back into michael's character and his like setup again Mm. Because one thing that I thought was just genius is that we see so much of Michael the kid. Um, we see his face. He's like kind of the Michael we get to know. And then this, we're, expo- we're introduced to this older version of Michael, a new actor. Um, we never get to really see his face, though. To us, he's still the kid, which I think is like genius. Because uh, mm-hmm. when we give him a new face, we can kind of assign him a different role in our minds. But he's always behind a mask or always behind his hair. So he's always just Michael to us. Which I think was really well done. I think that was really smart to look out for. Uh, I totally agree. They, they did a really good job, uh, even when he uh, like takes off his mask uh, in front of Lori. His hair and everything hides his face, and and you still can't see him. Uh, so even when he takes his mask off, they use the camera angles really cleverly to continue hiding it. Yeah, it, it's just it's wonderfully done. It was a great thing to look out for. Um, one thing they do with him as well is I love his strength which i like yes i love how they portray just how he is this unstoppable force just because he's just a strong dude that doesn't isn't held back by like our normal human i care about hurting this thing you know Mm -hmm. if you saw the version we did he breaks out of the asylum because he kind of gets the drop on a bunch of guards that are escorting him Mm -hmm. uh and he shoot he he kills them all up he's he's kind of tactical about it really it's 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 a really cool scene to watch like he's been you get the feel that he's been thinking about it for years. And like every time he's done that, he's thought like, I could do this here, here and here. Like it's something he ran through in his mind like a thousand times and then finally did it. And he takes advantage of those close quarters to like be able to have the advantage over the uh, the shotguns. Yeah. Um, and whatnot, because, you know, they're, they're too long to like turn around properly in that small area. Yeah. So that that was pretty well done. And then if you watch the other version, he... he went ballistic after a girl was raped in his room if i recall correctly um which is pretty messed up and i think that this version showed him being more of a monster where the other version tried to elicit sympathy unto him more Mm -hmm. just because like that um such a terrible thing happening in his room was a bit of a reminder of his childhood and i think that isn't a terrible thing to do but what this did was it took our character um i don't remember his name but it was the very kind janitor played by that actor, Danny. Yeah. I should know his name better. But um, he kills that guy that's been like kind of his friend over the years. That's been good to him, as mm-hmm. he says, as he begs for his life. And he once he kills him, we realize like, oh, Michael is like, he's gone. Like, he's a killer now. There's no like, there's no trying to help this kid anymore. This kid mm-hmm. is out of our hands. I think it also foreshadows what happens to Loomis. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Because like Loomis is like, you know, I feel like you're my best friend, even though you never talked to me. But yeah. <laughs> that, that's kind of funny. But um, 
but yeah, I, th- I think it foreshadows that there's not he's not going to be uh, to be anything but a monster at this point. Yeah, and I think it's I think that's just really well crafted. Um, one one time, it's when he's he's showing the baby picture of him and Laurie to Laurie, and I'm always curious. I'm curious as what his goal was. Was he trying to say like I know you, or like I like I'm I want to know what his drive was there? And they I think they leave it very ambiguous for a reason because mm-hmm. uh, she's just as confused why uh, more confused why he's pulling out this picture so i'm like uh, i don't know if he was trying to like help her somehow be like hey life was hard but i'm here mm-hmm. uh and he just presumed she had just as rough of a time as he did or or what really i just it was really cool well he, here's my take on this Hit me with it. Uh, this also goes to why he uh he left her life in the first place because at the beginning of the movie he kills his sister her boyfriends his mother's boyfriend as well and then he he purposefully leaves his his baby sister alive he also doesn't attempt to kill his mother at any point and both his mother and his baby sister had never been mean to him right mm. all the other three they had all been mean to him at some point and then of course later i think he comes back i i guess because his his mom is of course gone then his only family that he has left is Lori. So I think that's when he's sort of trying to reunite with her in a weird, screwed up way, because, I mean, he's not all there, especially at this yeah, he point. Didn't, he didn't go through great means, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I think that's what that is for him. But as soon as she stabs him in the shoulder, that tells him, oh, you're just another one of them. And then he resumes to... Uh, attack her so i think that's what they were trying to tell us there i'm not mm-hmm. completely sure but that's what makes no, sense to me i like that take and that sounds very feasible uh I, I imagine there's other takes as well but i like that a lot i think that checks out pretty well his motive here was just a lot more clear it was just a lot better well written just the whole plot points and like just the story beats even even in this movie we thought he died a few times and he got back up but it didn't feel so silly as the first one i felt like mm-hmm. um and maybe it's the way they did it. I think in the first one, they they would leave the camera on him and other characters wouldn't be looking at him and we'd watch him slowly get up and collect himself or whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in this one, we always thought he was dead and then he was suddenly there. Like, he's back. And it's just like, oh God, why is he back? Um, so I think jump scaring him into being back was a lot better. I think it just made for a better just sequence there. When I When I was thinking about it, I felt like this movie, he didn't come back quite as often, but it might even be the same number of times. I believe it is, yeah. But the way that they do it makes it not as bad. Yeah, I, th- I think the only one that could be seen as a little a little out there or a little weird uh, is similar to the first time that he gets back up in the first movie, which is after uh, he gets stabbed with the, the knitting needle in the original yeah she's like oh he's definitely dead i'm gonna leave this knife next to him in this movie it's not that bad because she stabs him like right into the shoulder like as deep as the knife is long and he like falls over and she's like panicking and trying to get out instead of say like making sure he's dead but i don't think it's that bad because at this point i mean she's i mean she's in a really weird situation uh it's kind of crazy she was even able to work up the courage uh or adrenaline to stab him in the first place um so i actually don't take too much problem with that uh in the movie but i think that's the one where people could look at and be like well why is she like you know so scared of him when she thinks he's dead but also doesn't want to make sure he's dead and all that so i think you also touched on what part of why it's so much better is because she's always panicking and trying to get out even after she thinks he's dead um Whereas in the first one, the original, she's always she like she thinks she kills him. And then she's just like, I'm just going to sit right here next to his knife or something. It's just so stupid. Yeah, she she kind of chills out afterwards. Yeah, exactly. As if like she, there's not the body of someone who was just trying to end your life in the other room a few minutes ago. Yeah, like it's just uh, so I think that her she feels more human in this, I suppose, rather than very silly. You know what else I think it is, is that um, I think it feels it feels weird uh for the audience i think in the original because the the music and everything uh and like the the mood of the characters or like uh, the the behavior of the characters specifically Lori in the original 
uh, when she would stab him, he would get back up. Uh, it would kind of it would cool down, right? And then it would and then it would heat up again when he gets back up, right? And so you're kind of as the audience, you're like, okay, we know he's not dead. You're not fooling anyone. So I think it just I think that part can be what's annoying. Whereas in this movie, like, yes, she stabs him, but the movie knows and we all know that he's going to get back up and the movie doesn't try to trick you like it keeps the panic up mm. it, it it keeps uh it, it tells you that it's not over right but yet it still keeps you hoping that it is yeah exactly so i think that i think that's uh one of the differences here yeah. is that you you're more aware of it until uh when he's shot like a bunch of times in the empty pool and then they go into the police car and then that's when the movie wants to shock you because they're bringing yeah. it down to zero and then they're bringing it back up. But it's in a much more uh, impactful way than in the original where it just felt kind of silly. Yeah, I no, I'd agree. And um, I think the way she finally deals with them, just shooting him point blank in the face. I thought that was great. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's grabbing the gun at the end. I mean, he's clearly pretty beat up. But like I, I don't know if every anyone else felt this. But like when he's grabbing the gun in the end, trying to get it away from her before she lands on finally the click that is the bullet, um, I felt like a little sympathy for him. I was like, man, he's just trying. At this point, he's just trying not to die, and life just sucks for him. He's going for it, and then like, boom, dead shot in the face by the one person who hadn't hurt him. Mm, uh true so I, I felt a little like i wasn't like crying that he was dead or anything i was like oh god michael why um, <laughs> no was, <laughs> yeah why did it have to be you michael <laughs> um but i definitely was just like that that's some kind of that's poetic right there that's something mm -hmm. it felt it, it hit me different so i liked that it was good well speaking of hitting <laughs> mm -hmm. just you watch this segue <laughs> um <laughs> i'm ready i'm ready I'd actually like to uh, to talk more about the the strength that he has because I, I totally agree. I think that really helped this movie is uh, is how they portray his strength, his inhuman strength almost. Because one of my main complaints of the original was that especially the deaths lacked impact, and in this one, uh, especially on the physical side, they gave a lot more impact to the deaths. Again, the choking was much better. I don't. Mm -hmm. It's kind of weird to say, but That's some good choking. I agree. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it was just it, it really made the deaths feel more real, and that made them feel more impactful. And they used his strength to make him into this much scarier force. I think a scene I kept thinking about was in the original. Laurie runs into the house after finally getting Tommy to open the door. She thinks that she's safe. And then she realizes that, like, the window's open. You know, he's inside. And, like, that's that's fine, depending on what kind of killer or, or thing that you're dealing with and how you want to portray it. But in this one, I feel like they played literally to Michael Myers' strengths. And instead of, you know, that's that fear that, oh, he's, like, inside because uh, the window's open. Instead, he is just at the door, his face looking into the window, and he just busts it open. Yeah. That to me is much scarier, and it it plays well uh, with the story they were trying to tell and who Michael Myers was supposed to be. Yeah, he's um he's a trampling force. He's just unstoppable, and I mm -hmm. think that it's portrayed a lot better here. And I think that they let the audience rather than the characters' fear is here around the corner. Um, yeah, because the audience we get to see him like watch watch him walk down the street, and like as the door closes, we see he was behind the door. He's clearly like kind of smart in what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um. So, but we just the audience got to fear that where the characters, as far as they knew, was just this unrelenting force coming at them. And I think that that was a really nice distinction to make because he needed to be one or the other for the characters. But being both was like a bit much. Yeah, I think they were able to really have that balance between Michael being off in the distance, like creeping on him, uh, like watching that that sort of a thing, yeah. that that fear. And then the like when it comes down to it and he wants you. He's unstoppable and he's not going like a door is not going to get in the way. And it, it, it's really scary because, uh, you know, you have like this thing that's big and, and intimidating that's watching you from a distance. And you're like, oh, that's pretty scary. And then that thing is near you 
and it's like briskly walking towards you like he doesn't run but that's because he doesn't need to instead Mm -hmm. it just you sort of see this shift uh from michael myers in like spectator mode and then michael myers and i'm coming to get you mode and i think they did that really well no i'd agree um one thing i want to point out that i thought was hilarious and i think rob zombie was just like this is good i'm keeping this in um was we see the doctor talking to the mom in the beginning and the asylum and he's like he hasn't talked in a week so i think it's best we start talking about shock treatment and then he stat we it cuts immediately to him stabbing that nurse in the throat or something and uh <laughs> i just thought that was hilarious i was like shock treatment i see what you did there zombie that's a good one buddy um i just i loved that that was wonderful writing wonderful like just directing right there <laughs> <Mwah>. <laughs> You're going to treat us to a shock. I see you. That is good. You know, um, speaking of uh, things that are somewhat meta, though, and also going back to this when when they're in the police car. Yeah. And I think this is also a perfect example of what makes this movie different and better than the than the original. Yeah. And so they're in the police car. They think, you know, OK, we've gotten away. And just like in the first movie, uh, Laurie asks, was that the boogeyman? And then Dr. Loomis, as he said in the first one, is... Yes, indeed it is. And then like that's that's like when in the original, like then you see he's gone and then roll credits. And this one, Rob mm-hmm. Zombie's like, oh, it ain't over. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Michael like arm just crashes to the car window and drags Lori out of it. That is Michael Myers right there. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was really that was awesome. That was well done. Really? Yeah, Rob Zombie's just super talented with the score as well. The music score he had it was great he included don't fear the reaper again perfect but then like he had us with some like mr sandman and i was like "Ooh, okay coming out of left field with that sandman track he made he keeps it fun but he makes it really great he didn't feel the need to completely like redo the original score as well um mm-hmm. i think he edited it a bit but I, i'm not entirely sure but it was super well done yeah and he really did keep uh, a lot of the elements, a lot of the story of uh, the same. I really do think he just added to it. Yeah, he just did better with it, I feel like. Yeah, e- even small things uh, like uh, in the original when Linda and uh, and Bob are having sex and then Bob goes to get beers. In the original, uh, you know, he wants to have beers. You know, he got killed, of course. And then I always see Michael wearing the sheet. Yes. And then and then Michael shows up and he's wearing the sheets. Uh, with like the glasses, which you know is kind of funny, and then whatnot. Uh, but in the, in this one, Rob Zombie, I guess, felt compelled to provide an, uh, an explanation why Michael was wearing the sheet like a ghost and wearing Bob's glasses. So instead, he has Bob doing that, who's going to show up and like mess with mess with Linda, until Michael ambushes him, kills him, and then takes that and then uses that. Like that makes just adding that little thing like that five like five seconds if even that of bob walking with the ghost thing on gives us that context and just makes it just that much better yeah and um onto bob's death as well it i maybe it was because they'd established his strength so much um maybe it was because he was stabbing to a wall and not a cabinet but it was a lot more (laughs) believable when he stood up on the knife i was like okay for some reason it makes sense now i love how he kept that in yeah exactly (laughs) and i feel like he just did it better almost just to be like i can do it better um Mm-hmm. but yeah it was it was great it wasn't so prolonged which i think gave it a lot of effect it wasn't like they stared at each other for five minutes and it was like are they gonna kiss um <laughs> it was just like no i'm gonna kill you so i i thought that was wonderful i still gotta say that there's there's two preferences i would have uh to change with that death okay uh, when it comes to stabbing him into the wall or or cabinets the wall is better uh i would say um I think one way to do it is like what they have. You want him stapled to the wall. Like you want him to stay there. Yeah. In that case, I really think that that knife uh, should go even deeper into that person to make that seem more real. Uh, like up, like up to the handle. You know, like your the handle is like literally partly in him now. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, just to give it that extra impact, and I know these are like small details, but but just give it like that much more uh, impact and that much more believability when it comes to stapling him into the wall. The other option for me is basically do it how you did in this movie, except you end the scene with him like, uh, you know, falling off the wall and like onto his face onto the floor. 
Uh, like he stayed there for a bit for impact to show like how how freaking hard he got stabbed but then he falls to the floor um so like again add that believability that could have been neat i would have liked to see that yeah i think either of those two options would be just that little bit better but it's it's not like a big enough difference that it would impact my enjoyment of the movie at all yeah um i think it could have made for a little bit of a comedic moment if like michael had walked away and then yeah he slowly fell off that would have been nice yeah uh but yeah, I no, I agree. It doesn't that would have been hard to see. He just looks behind him and he's like, "Oh man, <laughs> oh crap." This is a good one too. Um, one thing that I think that slashers when they do this, I think it's it's perfect because it's, I think it's very essential for idle slashers. And I don't feel like enough of them exactly do this, but it's still used pretty frequently for good mm. reason. Is that the first kill we're cheering for? We're just like, "Yes, Michael, go." Um. And that was the school bully that was bullying him in the bathroom where he ambushes him and he's beating him up. And even like for the first, even when he's got like school bully on the ground, he's just tripped him and hit him once. The bully's like, oh, you're so dead, Michael. And then he realizes like, hold on, I'm so dead, Michael. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's just that wonderful. uh, That kill that like the audience is like, yes, Michael, that's justice right there. Even though it's don't think that's justice. Don't don't go do that. Um. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and murder. even though it's so brutal, like yeah. he's begging for his life at the end. Exactly. It's it's brutal, but like still the audience is just at least I feel like a lot of the audience, just because it's a horror audience, is just like, yes, Michael, do it. Put the kid down. Um <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that those kills are really great. I like those. I guess you're in a way you're warming your audience up to be able to handle the rest of the deaths. Because it's like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna introduce them to the brutality of the deaths in this movie but we're going to start with someone who we set up to the best of our ability to be really unlikable yeah i feel like it's setting them up for the gore but it's also setting them up just it's making our killer our idol the hero uh and mm-hmm. that kind of like sticks with you for a while and this one they yeah. do a good job of kind of like playing with that notion what with like showing the baby picture and him killing the nice um caretaker guy but that I think that's just essential to set up for like idle slashers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and I thought that was just well done. I think, Ian, we should probably hop into our summaries here. Are there any last thoughts you want to give? You mean your surveys? The, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've been mixing up my words so much. Uh, Let, let's hop into a summary. I'll do it again. Watch me. Yeah. That's <laughs> Ten-year-old Michael Myers plays with his pet rat in his room while wearing a Halloween clown mask. Just start the summary like a little bit, just to scare them. Like, she's <laughs> oh, you know, I did. <laughs> but yeah, any last thoughts you want to give before we hop in the service? Yeah. Oh well, I, I'm I'm looking at my notes. I do have this one funny one. So I noted that in this movie, Myers uh, or Michael, he still walks. Like, I, I don't think if I don't think you really see him run, which I, I think is fair. Like, he doesn't have to. Yeah. You know, he's too he's too cool, mm-hmm. um, too unstoppable. But he still he still does like walk faster, I think, than in the original. But I think it's funny because uh, while in the sanitarium, I think one of the guards asks, like, can this guy go like any slower? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like It's like they're making fun of how <laughs> slow he walks. <laughs> I think that I want to think that that's like a reference to the original, you know? No, I, I don't doubt if it was. It's a good catch. I do like that. Anyways, we we can get to the surveys now. Sweet. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, the average was a 6.2 on the enjoyment. Um, that being said, it was I think it was still more on the enjoyable side, just based on the numbers themselves, not the average. Mm. Uh, as to how scary and this was all over the place, I don't have. I'll try to try to math it real quick. It's like, uh, it's like a four point four or something like that. That's um, not bad. Yeah, it's it's decent for scares. I mean, we have we have an audience, and like as we go, they're only more accustomed to the scares. So yeah, I think it's really great that it did hit at least above. I'd say anything above a three is like, all right, that's all. It's solid. When it yeah. starts hitting like above fives, is where we're like, this was actually scary. Um, yeah that's when you get to some weird territory it's yeah. like oh i'm curious what you have that it hits above that um 
so usually we ask a Paz of Fear question here, but since uh, it's very much just the last movie, I would have just asked the same Paz of Fear question. So instead, I asked, what aspect did this movie do better than its predecessor, or at least do better the best, if you thought it was multiple things? Um, so our four options were exploring Michael's character, more gruesome kills, revealing the relationship between Michael and Laurie, or it did nothing better. Which which took the cake, do you think, Ian? It's got to be the gory kills, right? Um, I can't reveal that to you, Ian. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which do you think was the least? What, what, what were people not about? Uh, what was the third one? Third one was revealing their relationship. Michael and Laurie's relationship as siblings. Okay. Um, the last was it did nothing better. And then, yeah, your first two, which I'll repeat again if you want, but I think you're okay. <laughs> What's the first one? <laughs> Exploring his character. Exploring <laughs> Michael's character in depth. Oh, wait. Exploring his character in depth. I want to change my answer. I think the I think that one is actually the... Uh... That one's the top one? Yeah, I right. think I think exploring exploring his characters, because uh, it, it's definitely. I mean, they added a whole like thirty minutes to this movie just for that. So, I got I gotta imagine that people enjoyed that. But I bet the gory deaths are up there. Like I feel like maybe that's like second place. Okay, um, okay. at least they're top two. But we'll see how close I am on that. Um, but uh, I think that. The lowest one is what's going to be that they did nothing better. I, I think they did uh, at least a couple things better. So I think that one's going to be the least. All right. Uh, no, you you were dead on, Ian. Yes, that no one voted, actually, for it did nothing better. So there's nothing on that. And exploring the character in the more gruesome kills tied for the top. So oh, my were, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you, just, you just got it all right, Ian. You were perfect enough. Dang. Um, I, even, I even put in at least top two just uh, to cover me. So I know. You just, I'm you, so good. You're just flexing at the end there. Hey, I am being I am back to being unstoppable. I'm like Michael Myers when it comes to these survey guesses. <laughs> I'm impressed. Ian. Never, uh, never going to catch me uh, getting shot with a revolver. <laughs> <laughs> if you shoot me with a survey questionnaire that you think I can't handle, you watch me. You watch. Me. I won't handle, but I won't stop it. um so our little open-ended question at the end was i thought it was kind of a fun one because like people are always talking and we had a movie about it like who would win freddy versus jason and stuff like that i was wondering would uh would the original myers win or zombies myers win uh but if the two fought just based on personality and what we saw of them alone uh because where one is like i feel like the one that I would vote for would be Zombies Myers because we got to see his strength and stuff. But I could see the argument mm-hmm. for the original because, like, he didn't have to display anything. He just was insane. He was ultimate, if you will. I think also maybe from, like, a technicality, uh, it sort of portrayed him as actually immortal. Yeah. yeah he, was, he was properly unstoppable. He didn't get shot in the face. So. Yeah, that's the thing. So we don't really know. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense that Zombies... Uh, would die when getting shot in the face. Yeah. Uh, so we have our first answer is Zombies Myers easy. He killed Danny Trejo. Not it's not even close. Uh, <laughs> that's that, and that's that is it's a fair. Point. Is, that, is that the tr- trucker? That's the uh, that's the caretaker that was really friendly. Oh, yeah. He usually plays like really badass characters. Like he's a super tough oh, guy. Yeah. This is kind of a weird role for him. Um. He he plays the role well, but it's just weird seeing him like that because usually he's so tough. And to see him be like, mm-hmm. hey, Myers, you doing good today? Is, it's just kind of weird. Um, <laughs> our second is just maybe Zombie Myers. No no explanation needed. Um, no real answer given. Just maybe Zombie <laughs> Myers. <laughs> um, the next one is, I'm picturing a certain notorious Game of Thrones scene. And no question, Zombie Myers is the mountain. Oh, that's oh, it's a good. I like I like your little setup there. That was solid. It's a fun scene. It is a fun one. Um, so I said they say our next one is I guess a minor spoiler alert. So fast forward like thirty seconds if you don't want to hear this, but a minor spoiler alert for the second Halloween movie, the nineteen eighty one film. But not really. Not maybe. I don't know. 
The original Myers would win for sure. In this movie, he is, or is at least soon to be, dead at the end when Laurie pulls the trigger. At the end of the original, we see him take several shots and fall off the balcony, but he gets up and walks away, and is in good enough shape to continue trying to kill Laurie in the second movie, which takes place literally like the next day. I didn't know it takes place. That's just insane. <laughs> take a break, man. Take a day off. Jeez. He just comes right yeah. back at it. Um... The last is hopefully they would both kill each other and no more Halloween movies would exist. Wow. I I love the Halloween movies. I don't think that we necessarily need more, but I think seeing zombies re his take on it and like just he saw something he could make better. And so he did. I appreciate that. (laughs) Even though as I understand the kind of like general tone for how people feel about this movie is that it doesn't it pales in comparison to the original. Which is kind of weird to me. I think. I think you've got to be looking through a very specific lens. I think it's I think that. it's for people that are like original Halloween fans, which I am. But I will acknowledge that this one is probably better. Um, but I think that it's just kind of like loyalists to the original, you know? Yeah, I think. And, and I mean, you know, that's how art is. You know, there's yeah. nothing wrong with uh, with preferring the original. I just think that um, I mean, it's like with art. You know, you can see a painting and you're like, this this like is really it's got some really technical work that's really good like the colors are beautiful like it it looks great it was done by like a really good artist but it's not as good as like this painting that inspired it that like you know even though like the technical stuff is a little off and you know the colors are a little weird um it makes me feel more like i'm more attached to this one yeah i i think that's just the deal with art is that because it's such a personal experience um yeah, I, I can definitely see how, despite what I would definitely consider just technical, better, like better technical execution, um, I could see how if you're just an original fan, you're you're going to stay that way because you got that connection with it. And that's yeah, cool. And I think that's fair. We did have the like not remake, but kind of like kind of a continuation of the series come out not long ago, like 2019, 2018. Mm. Um, and that's the one where like his mask is all cracked because he's aging. So his mask cracks. Um, so that that was kind of neat to see. I have I didn't I don't think I've seen that one actually. I need to. I haven't seen it either. Uh, I think it <laughs> next week. Hell <laughs> <laughs> um, no! I think it. Uh, I believe it continues off the first original movie. Yes. Um, and it kind of dis. I think it disregards its original sequels, and it just says mm-hmm. like, actually, this is a sequel, and it's like, oh, cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's all we got for the surveys. Thank you all so much for participating in them. We had a lot of fun watching this. I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, yeah. And we hope to see you in the next one. Are there any last thoughts you want to give us, Ian? Uh, my last thought is uh, if you, I think that if you like, you're planning like a night, like maybe Halloween night or something, and you're like, I want to watch a slasher with my friends. This is like, it's just, a really solid slasher movie to watch. Yeah, no, I think that it, and like I feel like the original. If you show the original one, it's not so up to date that people, like it's people are yeah. gonna kind of like detach from it if they're not. People have ones. to be like into it, like into yeah, exactly. watching like what they know is going to be have some technical or have some you know issues that an old movie has. Whereas like I think to watch this one is very easy. Like you just have to pe- have people wanting to watch a slasher. And yeah, exactly. It, it, it they're gonna like it. People a lot better. Um, yeah. So yeah, an e- an easier watch. <laughs> yeah, I th- I'd say that's entirely fair. Well, except for the gore. Yes. Okay. If you, <laughs> it, watch out for the gore because it is worse than this one by far. Yeah. <laughs> watch out for the gore. But I think I I want to say on Halloween night. I'm like I'm down for some gore. That's what I'm like. That's what I'm feeling. Like I, I'll I'll see some heads split apart. You know. That's good. Oh yeah. Today. Exactly. Uh, and so that's the one time I'll make maybe seek it out. Well, thank you all so much for listening in this time. We have been Paths of Fear. If you would like to come in and watch our, I guess, watch our movies with us. I was going to say watch our podcast, but that doesn't quite work. Um, mm-hmm. If you do want to come in, watch the movies with us and give us your take on it, check out the Discord link in the description. We also stream Mondays and Wednesdays. We try to keep up with that, but we are very busy dudes. So... Yep, I uh, forgot to stream last Monday. Sorry to everyone who missed I, that. And I mean, I I'm good about it either. It's uh, I th- I mean, I'm taking 21 hours. I'm filming a short film on the side as well, and I'm about to apply for an internship on top of that. So I am yes. I am swamped. I know you're swamped over there, Ian. 
Uh, oh yeah (laughs) you've been swamped since like last year so i mean this year is just even crazier i imagine um (laughs) so but Uh, we do plan on keeping those streams up so we hope to see all there as well twitch.tv slash paths of fear and soon enough we'll have the website up i guess it is up but we'll have we'll have stuff done to it and we'll have stuff on paths of fear.com and you know what uh i i would really i'm i'm gonna really try to get it up uh like by october because i think october, that would be like a really good time to like have the site up you know oh, you're right halloween, like halloween, halloween october yeah, it's spooky it's spooky month spooky um so maybe season. we can get the word out and uh see if we can uh grow the audience get some more like perspectives and opinions and whatnot i jive with you i think that's a great idea and i think you guys have been a great audience so y'all have a wonderful one. Oh, so sweet farewell Thank you.